Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to my clinic. As you know, uh, I'm the doctor here. Uh, sorry, I was running a little bit late. We did have a lot of patients. We get a lot of demand at our office, but I'm really excited that y'all are here today. I know that you've heard about us either through friends or through family, or maybe you just stumbled upon our practice, but I'm really excited that y'all are all here with us today. Uh, I've got some glasses for you that these are going to provide you with extremely amazing vision. And it's a great product, so you guys will all have an opportunity to take them all home for free. Yes, ma'am. Um, how do I get one of these glasses? I get them. I mean, you're already here, so uh, you've done all the work. Uh, we're going to have to talk through some issues, um, and then eventually you'll be able to take them home for free. Free? What does that mean? Uh, just, you know, it means free. So uh, I think this will be a great opportunity for y'all, and uh, it's going to be wonderful. Trust me. You're a doctor, right? Y'all, that's not even proper English. Come on, man. That's so inappropriate right now. It's his doctor's office. Like, why would you even say that right now? It's so inappropriate. Like, why? Okay, hey, you guys, sorry. I was just getting a coffee. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm assuming it's not. Are you no sugar? Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Why are you no, assuming I, that we need. I, I'm sorry. I just, I thought. I, oh, okay, alright, alright, alright. Everybody, I need y'all to calm down. Okay. And tune in next week while we work through some of these issues and we're able to find which classes are the right fit uh, for all of our patients. Thank you. Good, good morning, everyone. I think my mic might be off. Is it good? Yeah. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at STSA. So happy to see so many people here on Friends and Family Day. If you're first time here at the well, what we always say about us is we are just an ordinary place where extraordinary things happen because that's hopefully a place. This hopefully is a place where people come into contact with the living God. And when people meet God, no matter what it is that else happens the rest of that day, big things happen. And I'm hoping that today could be some big things for us. And I'm hoping that not just today, but this year can do some big things for us. For those who were here last week or anyone who's talked to me in the past two weeks, the one thing that I've been saying for the past two weeks since we started the new year is 2017 is going to be a big year. 2017, this is your year. And I sold that to many people. I got big, big, big things going to happen in 2017 for you, for me, for our church. I got good feeling about 2017 being a big year for you. And I always tell people when I say it's going to be a good year, I always tell people that it's going to be a good year in three ways. I say God is going to do big things for you. God is going to do big things in you. God is going to do big things through you. So for you in 2017, God's going to do big things for you. He's going to do big things in you and big things through you. Now, when I tell people those three, people respond differently to every one of those three. The favorite one is for me. God's going to go do big things for me? Yes. That's why I'm here, Father Anthony. That's why I'm in church. Because I got big stuff that I need this year. And this is the year that God's going to do big stuff for me as far as, like, my marriage, my career. This is the bigger he's going to open the door for me in some areas that have been closed. This, yeah, more for me. Yeah, for me. 2017, for me. I love that stuff. Keep it coming, God. And I say, God's always going to go big stuff in you. Okay. That's fine. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, everyone could use a little improvement. So, I mean, I'm sure I could be a little more patient, maybe a little more loving. But don't forget about that for me stuff, God. Okay, because that's really, like, keep that stuff coming. You know, like, here's a funnel so we don't spill any. Like, that for me stuff, like, that's the real stuff that I want. And saying God's going to do big stuff through you as well. Through me? No. You got the wrong guy. Through you, yeah. Like your father, Anthony, can do big stuff through you. Through so-and-so, yeah, they're good people. Oh, yeah, through like that guy, yeah, yeah. But through me, I'm going to stick with the for me and maybe a little touch of in me. But through me, you got the wrong guy, Father Anthony. You know what I discovered about my job, how I spend my time these days as opposed to how I used to spend my time? I used to spend my time telling people, helping people see God's plan for them, helping people see what God wants to accomplish in their lives. You know, I don't spend my time doing that as much anymore. 
I don't spend my time showing people, helping people find God's plan. I spend most of my time now convincing people that God still has a plan. And that's why we're doing this series. Because in this series, we're going to talk about a subject that every one of us faces. The only difference is some people just don't know it. A problem that we all have, something we all struggle with by, by fact that you're a human being living in this world that we live in, something we all struggle with, but some people are going about it blindly. And what we are going to do, I'm going to challenge you to be brutally honest, not with me, but with yourself. And I'm going to challenge you to look at some parts inside you that maybe you don't really like to open up, some subjects you kind of push away, some things in life that we deal with and we struggle with, but we don't like admitting. But we need to deal with it because what we're going to see is the topic that we're going to be discussing has the potential to derail your life more than any other subject. Everything that God wants to do in you, for you, and through you can be derailed by the subject that we're going to talk about, which is insecurity. And insecurity asks this question. It says, am I good enough? We know what insecurity is, right? We call it different names. No one likes to admit they're insecure, but we all have insecurity. Not good enough. Not good enough. Can't cut it at work. Not good enough. This, this med school thing, I'm just not made for it. Like, everyone else is smarter than me. It's just, I'm never going to be as beautiful as so-and-so. I'm never going to be as successful as so-and-so. I'm never going to be as spiritual as so-and-so. Like, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a good friend. Like, I'm just never going to be good enough. We all know how that feels. And I'm telling you that if you do not address insecurity in your life, it will it prohibit it or inhibit, stop God's ability to work in your life more than any other subject is this issue of am I good enough with insecurity? What is insecurity? I wanted to come up with a definition, but what I discovered is insecurity is one of those things that's easier to experience than it is to define. So let me draw a picture for you. Maybe it's a picture that you've lived as well as I've lived. We've all lived. Insecurity is this. It's when you and your wife and your kids pack up the car and go to visit someone else in their home. And as you're driving in the neighborhood, you notice all these houses are bigger than our house. All of their lawns are greener than our lawn. Even, it seems like, even their dog's poop doesn't smell as bad as the dog poop in our neighborhood. Then you walk into the house, and speaking of smells, it smells as if Mr. Clean is the one who owned that house. Because you walk in, and you smell the clean floors and the Lysol, whatever. You walk into the kitchen, and it's that smell of fresh-baked bread and apple pie straight out the oven. A stark contrast to your house, which smells like dirty laundry and burnt fish sticks. You sit. You have a nice dinner together. If you're the wife, you feel insecure about the other wife. She's thinner than you. Her hair's better than you. Her husband's not as bald as yours. If your husband, you're sitting there, his job is better than mine, his kids treat him nicer, and I'm not, I'm, he's not as bald as I am. You have a very lovely evening. They're the nicest people in the whole wide world, and you go home feeling bad, and you don't know why. All you know is you're a little bit more snarky with your wife or husband. You're a little less patient with your kids, and you just don't feel good, and you don't know why. You're a graduate student. You just started grad school. You are ready to set the world on fire. Law school, medical school, whatever kind of school that you go to, you are ready to set the world on fire. You were top of the class in undergrad. You were 3'9", got whatever honors, and you were the smartest of the smart. Then you show up at grad school, and you realize this is a different game. And it's, maybe it's the same game, but the players aren't the same players. These are people who care about grades. These are people who go to classes that are before 10 a.m. These are people, I mean, I'm, I'm, not in my own, I'm not in the same league I used to be in, and all of a sudden, even though nothing has happened, you start to feel bad about yourself. You haven't taken a test. You haven't gotten a single grade or single report card back. But all of a sudden, you just don't feel as good about yourself and about your chances of being successful in life. What is that? That's insecurity. Here's the thing about insecurity. All of us, deep inside, whether we admit it or don't admit it, all of us, all of us, you know who we are? We're the same person we were in seventh grade at the first co-ed dance back in middle school. We're the awkward, shy kid in the corner, terrified of actually having to dance, terrified of making a fool of ourselves, but just praying, even though I don't want to dance, is the last thing I want, just praying that someone would ask me to dance. That someone would validate me like, I'm good enough to be with the cool kids. 
Like I'm, I'm loved. I'm accepted. I have value. We're all that awkward seventh grader who's just looking to feel validated and loved. Unless you think that I'm talking just about you, if I'm going to challenge you to discover some of your insecurities, I'll share some of my insecurities. Because I have just as many insecurities as you, and I, I would say, I mean, but I mean, who knows? I think I got more. Because I stand up here on a stage for all to see. Let me tell you some areas that I'm insecure. Number one, I am insecure around other priests or clergy or bishops. No matter how long I've been a priest, and no matter how long they've been a priest, I'm the most insecure, awkward guy that you can possibly imagine. Why? Because they all, like, there's like, like one of these things is not like the other. That's me in any meeting with priests. Like one of these things doesn't belong. Like they're all like, they like have, their beards are longer than mine. Like they have gray hair. Like they speak like in, 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 in they can speak English and they can speak Arabic and they can speak Coptic and they can speak Greek and they can speak Latin and they can speak whatever language they want. I took four years of Spanish in high school and four years in college. And the only thing I can say is me llamo Miguel y me gusta nadar. Which means my name is Michael. I like to swim. That's the only thing I can say. In seriousness, I'm insecure. I feel like I don't fit no matter how long I've been a priest. I'm insecure about my physical appearance. And I know that's really hard to believe. I know. But I'm insecure because I spent most of my childhood as like the chubby, overweight kid. I was never good at athletics. I only one time, there's only one time I ever actually made a team that required tryouts. I played lots of sports. Everyone knows that about me. But there was all the rec leagues where they have to let anyone in. There's only one time I ever made a team I had to try out for, and that was because I had friends on the team, and I later found out they begged the coach, said, come on, there's one more spot on the team. Let that guy in. But I've always, this is why, by the way, because I always feel like insecure, not about, I shouldn't say appearance isn't the right word. It's more like fitness, okay? Because obviously the appearance. <laughs> it's more like fitness. That's why some of you noticed, like, I take great pride when I set a physical goal, like I shared last week, like when I set a goal of last year, I'm going to run a half marathon. I take great pride in that because I always think of myself as the guy who can't do that. And when I say I want to do the pull-ups thing like I talked about last week, I take great pride in that, probably more than I should because I know it's not really a great accomplishment, but because I'm insecure about that. The most obvious area I'm insecure, which come as a shock, everyone I tell them, they don't believe it, but if you, it's not hard to believe if you, if you understand. Every Thursday morning, I'm highly insecure. Thursday morning is preparation day for Sunday. And every single Thursday, when I sit down to prepare for Sunday, as confident as I appear to be here on stage on Sunday, my keyword is appear, as confident as I am on Sunday, as terrified as I am every Thursday, and as much as I get knots in my stomach, and I go through this whole spiel, I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to fake an injury, and I'm going to get in a car accident, like I'm going to anything, like I'm going to get sick, because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Like these people are going to see straight through me, and they're going to say, you're not who you preach, and you, we know you make mistakes. The people are going to see right through me, and I come up with, that's why I also call preparation Thursday, procrastination Thursday. Because <laughs> it's the time, the one time of the week, I'll tell you this little tip. At one time, you want me to do anything for you, you ask me on Thursday, I will do it. Because I would rather do anything than sit down and prepare for my Sunday service. Am I alone? Am I the only insecure person in the world? Like, help me out here. Like, I'm really, like, all by myself here on stage. Help me out. I'm not the only insecure person, am I? Like, I'm not the only insecure person. We all have insecurities, right? Let's do this together so we can, you know, feel like... I realize that I say I'm insecure, and most of you... Like, I won't take a show of hands, but I bet you a lot of you are thinking, I would have never guessed that about you. I would have never guessed that about Father Anthony. I would have never guessed that. Well, that's the whole point of this series. That's why we're calling it, I thought it was just me. Because the whole point is that every single person in this room, every single person in your life, every single person in your office, every single person in your school has some kind of insecurity. It may not be the same. It may be insecure in different areas, but we all struggle with insecurity. So it's time to stop pretending like it's just me and thinking that it's just me. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to repeat after me all together. You're going to say, I am insecure. Say it. I am insecure. No, I need everyone to say it. Say, I am insecure. I have insecurities. There are areas I feel not good enough. It's nice, isn't it? Now, here's going to be the real fun part. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're insecure too. <laughs> yeah, give them the business. And there's areas that you struggle. You know, yeah, give them the business. Yeah. 
That's nice, isn't it? We all struggle with insecurity in some way. The one who wins in life is the one who acknowledges them and addresses them. And that's exactly what we're going to do here in this series. We're going to acknowledge our insecurities. We know it's not just me. I think it's just me. It's not just me. We're going to acknowledge them and we're going to address them and see how God wants us to handle them. Because you're going to be surprised to hear that the word of God addresses our insecurities a lot more than you think. We need a working definition, though, just for the sake of our time here together. So I came up with this definition. What is insecurity? Insecurity is the gap between who I want to be and who I am. It's the gap between who I need to be, who I want to be, like my aspiration of myself, who I want to see in the mirror, and who I really am in real life. It's going to apply to any area of life. Insecurity is who I need to be as a husband before who, uh, between who I really am as a husband. Who I need to be as a, uh, a, a, a dad versus who I really am as a dad. Who I need to be who I want to be as a priest versus who I really am as a priest. Every area of life, the gap, there's a gap that exists between who you want to be and who you really are. We're going to call that our insecurity. If there's a gap between who you want to be and who you are, there's two ways to close the gap. There's two, I should say, there's two bad ways to close the gap that we naturally do. We either push the gap or we pull the gap. Or I mean, first step that all of us do when we feel there's a gap between who I am and who I want to be, we try to push the gap closed. And we push the gap closed by trying to play the part, by saying, you know what? I am not who I need to be in whatever area. Let's say in school, you know, I feel like I'm not the smartest guy. So you know what? I push through it and I'm going to read more, and I'm going to study more, and I'm going to use big words, and people are never going to say that I'm not smart because, look, I use words that have multiple syllables, and I read thesaurus.com, and I get the word of the day, and I try to integrate into everything that I say, and I'm going to try to play the part. I feel insecure about my social status, so I'm going to show how great my social status is. I push through it, and I try to show that I'm great, and I know exactly what's going on, and I get me a, a new car, a new clothes, new haircut, whatever it may be, whatever makes me feel like that part. But that never works. So step two, after we can't push the gap closed, then you know what? We pull back. And pull back is, you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't care about my career. Most people workaholics, not balanced like me. We're saying that because we don't think we can be there. Nah, I mean, I don't care about, you know what? Like, like I, I know I'm not the dad that I need to be, but you know what? Like, those spoil little brat kids and mother ruin them. Like, I'm doing my part, but you know what I mean? Nothing I could do. The pullback is the too cool for school. Is that I take my ball and go home. Is that I don't need to try anymore. And I see this all the time. And forgive me right now, I'm going to give an example. I gave example of myself, so I'm going to give an example right here. And I'm going to say something right now. And a lot of people are going to say, he's talking about me. How do you know about me? He's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about everyone. There are two areas of life, two times in your life where you are most, I don't want to say susceptible, but where I see these insecurities, these push through, try to act like the cool guy, and then pull back where you are most susceptible. You won't get offended. It's your quarter life and your midlife crisis. First, it's your late 20s, your mid to late 20s. No one's going to get offended and say, you're talking about me. I'm talking about Ollie. In your mid to late 20s, there's this sense of, you know what? My friends are all moving ahead. So-and-so got married and I'm not married. This guy moved out of the house and I'm still here. This guy's career. And you start to look, okay, and you say, like, my life is not where I want it to be. So the first thing, you push through. And you say, you know what? I'm going to be the cool guy. I'm going to party. I'm going to drink. I'm going to go back and start being the guy I was in college. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I'm having the funnest time of all. Yeah. No, I'm not empty. No, I'm not. I'm the funnest guy of all. And that doesn't get you anywhere. So then you start pulling back. And I say, hey, we missed you in church. Oh, come on, Father. And like, church, church not for everyone, okay? Like, I've been there, done that. Hey, we're doing life groups soon. Like, you tell me that you struggle, like, socially, like, friends, life groups. Yeah, those are lame. Those are for, like, the lame people. I'm too cool for school now. Too cool for that. That's insecurity. That's I don't feel good about who I am. Old people, 40s. I'm 40, so I'm not saying us, okay? 
easy to look at the quarter-life crisis and say, ha-ha them. We do the same thing. This is why, by the way, because I know this, because I see this, this is why I did my midlife crisis last year. I planned it, okay? <laughs> I planned my midlife crisis. That's when I ran that half marathon. That was for that purpose, because I want to check mark midlife crisis. Midlife crisis is when you're in your 40s. That's when you look back and you kind of went through this whirlwind and your career and your family and you're driving a minivan and you're like, what happened to my life? Where did my life go? And all you see is, is day to day and stuff happening. And, and again, you see that, that guy driving a nice car and you hate your car. And that guy's house is big and you hate your house. And those kids love their dad. You like, don't, your kids don't like you as much. Okay? You loved your kids, but you just, you know what I mean? And you start to look at it and say, what happened? So you try to push through. You go through the midlife crisis. You grow the beard. You buy the new car. You slick the hair back, okay? You go Rogaine the whole, like, you do whatever it takes. Ladies, you get on that new fad diet. You start exercising 1,000 hours a week. You're a super mom now, okay? You sign up for every class in the gym because you are going to push through, and you are going to be better than you ever were before. And it doesn't get you there. So then you pull back, and this is where it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous where you pull back, and that's where you say, you know what? I don't even want to try anymore. That's when we talk about depression. That's when we talk about give up. We're talking about despair. You know what? My family is what it is. No hope. My marriage is what it is. Whatever. <clears throat> Insecurity is dangerous. Insecurity is dangerous. It can mess you up if you don't address it in a proper, healthy way. You want me to tell you what your insecurity is? I can tell you right now exactly what your insecurity is. I've always said this. Insecurity, the one area, find me area of life where you cannot explain why you behave that way. Why do I do that? And how come I can't stop that? The unexplainable behaviors in your life that you hate about yourself, I guarantee you at the root of them is some kind of unaddressed insecurity. You think about that for the rest of the series. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a biblical look. We're going to do like an overview of this insecurity topic. And starting next week, we're going to get to specific insecurities. Because I, I think insecurity will manifest itself in a myriad of ways. We're going to talk about four of them. We're going to talk about the control freak. We're going to talk about when we compare ourselves too much. We're going to talk about when my potentially my favorite one, which I'm going to have to tone myself down, okay, the easily offended, okay, when I'm easily offended and everything offends me and I look for reasons to be offended, insecurity at the root of that. And last week, as we approach Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about approval addiction, okay, and about how all those things, comparison, control freak, approval, easily offended, overly sensitive, the root of them is all insecurity. But today, we're going to talk a little bit general about insecurity in general, and then we'll kind of, you know, uh, break it down over the coming weeks. Today, we're going to start with a biblical example of one of the strongest people in the Bible, one of the strongest people in the Bible that you could not look at this man and think for a second this guy was ever insecure. He was the picture of strength and confidence and boldness and courage. And that person is Moses. Moses. Charlton Heston Moses. Ten Commandments. Split the Red Sea. Moses. Strongest man in the Bible. Ten plagues. But did you know, Moses wasn't always very strong. And Moses struggled with insecurity. And we're going to look at a passage from Moses' life when insecurity almost, almost derailed God's plan for his life. And Moses was almost not Moses because of insecurity that he faced. Let's get a little context here. We're going to do, show a, we're going to read a passage from Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 takes place when Moses is roughly 80 years old. 80 years old, you should be done your insecurity by then. Okay, like you play around in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, 50s, 60s, okay. 70, you're done. 80 is like, who cares? But still at age 80, Moses struggles with insecurity. The context is, at the time, the children of Israel, God's people, are slaves in Egypt. Moses used to live in Egypt, but he left because he made a boo-boo. Okay, he killed a man, and then Pharaoh said, who killed this man? I want to kill him. So Moses ran for his life, and he was living in the desert, lived there for 40 years. God appears to Moses through a burning bush. You're Christian, you grew up in church? Yeah, the burning bush. You're not Christian. This is new to you. You're like, what? A bush was on fire? Not just it was on fire. The bush was also speaking to him. What did the bush say to him? The bush said to him, Moses, I'm God. And I would like you 
to do a great thing in, in, in the world. And I would like you to lead the people out of slavery. So Moses responded, as you would respond to a bush on fire talking to you, you would say, you got the wrong guy. Like, go talk to that guy firing bush, okay? But God says to him, no, Moses, it's me. I'm God. I'm speaking to you. I've chosen you. And Moses has this little dialogue with him in Exodus chapter 3. And like, what are you talking about? And God says, I got it all worked out. You're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to say exactly what I tell you to say. This is exactly what's going to happen. And the end result is going to be exactly this. You're going to end up in a place called the promised land where you're going to be rich. You're going to be free. And all you can eat milk and honey all the time. God lays out the plan for him. And Moses responds to that plan. Exodus chapter 4. Okay. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Just a little thing before we get into this. I'll tell you a phrase never to say to God when he asks you to do something. Never say, but suppose. Hey, God, did you consider? Hey, God, did you know that? Let's just assume God knows. Never start with, but suppose. And expect God to say, oh, yeah. Moses says, but suppose they will not believe me. We're going to see three insecurities that Moses dealt with here. First insecurity, I'm not respected enough, which was an issue of credibility. I'm not respected enough. God, I'm going to go to them. Let's say hypothetically, I go and say, God spoke to me and said this. What do you think they're going to say, God? They're going to say, yeah, good one, Moses. Yeah, lay off the NyQuil. They're not going to believe me. And they're going to say, who are you? And what are you talking to God for? Moses felt a gap, who he is and who he needs to be, reputation, respect, credibility. I am who I am kind of a thing. And I'll bet you we don't know this for sure. But I'll, met, I'll bet you Moses thought the following. I'll bet you he thought, God, you want me to be a leader? But I know that they know that I'm a murderer. And this is the first thing that you need when it comes to the credibility thinking. Okay, I wrote these things in your handout, not up on the screen, but I wrote them in your handout. These are important facts here. Be careful of I know that they know thinking. Do you know what I know that they know thinking is? I know that they know. God, I know that they know. Father Anthony, you need to be a better dad. Dad, you need to be a better dad with your children. You need to lead your children spiritually. I would, God, but I know that they know that I'm not really that good of a person. And I want to tell them to pray, but I know that they know that I stink at prayer. So I can't do that. I know I should be a better husband. I know I should pray with my wife. I know I should support my wife. But I know that she knows who I really am on the inside. I know I should pray. But God, I know that you know that I'm a bad person. The gap. Who I am, who I need to be. I know that they know. I know that the people at work won't come. Father Anthony said, invite people from, from work to church. I would, but I know that they know that I'm not the most honest person stealing supplies out of the closet. Invite your neighbors to church to do something positive, but I know that they know that I send my dog to poop in their yard. I know that they know that. I know that they know. Be careful of I know that they know. That's where Moses started off, and I'm telling you, there isn't a person in the world, including me, including you, including Moses, including everyone, who hasn't thought I know that they know. And if you let that stop you from God's plan for you, you're going to be in trouble. Second thing Moses said, verse 10. Then Moses, we're, we're skipping God's response. We'll kind of see God's response in a little bit. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. First Moses said, I'm not credible. People won't believe me. People don't respect me. And God answered that. We'll see in a little bit. And then Moses said, Okay, God, but I'm slow of speech. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm not talented enough. Is an issue of capability. I'm not talented enough. I don't have what it takes. My tongue is slow. We don't know. Did Moses stutter? Did Moses have like a speech impediment? Was he, did he just get really, really, really nervous speaking in front of people? Like it's not hard, that hard to believe. Whatever it was, Moses said, I don't have the skill set 
to accomplish what you're asking me to do, God. Listen very carefully to me on this one. If you struggle with insecurity, and you are in the, especially if you're in the pullback phase, okay, I said push through and then pull back. If you're in the pullback phase, you know what? I'll never be good enough as a husband. I'll never be good enough as a wife. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough to be a wife, be a husband. I'll never be good enough. My relationship with God, I'll never be good enough. I'm not talented. I don't have what it takes. Be very careful of this. I wrote this in your handout. This, if you are taking notes, you have to write this down. Innate capability is often an illusion. Innate capability is usually an illusion. What do I mean by this? This is very, very, very important. This is I spend half my life when I'm sitting with people struggling. This is half my life spent in this. Yes, there are certain innate capabilities that no one can deny. Okay? I, no matter how hard I try, I cannot dunk a basketball. Okay? My, I can't. I can try really hard. I can't dunk a basketball. I can never sing opera. Okay? Some of you, I know. I can never sing opera. I could never... You know, be like President of the United States of America. I don't think I have the personality to do that, especially this year. I don't think I have the personality to do that. There are certain things, yes, no one will ever do. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is when you say, you know what? I'll never be a good enough mom. I'll never be a good mom like she. She's such a good mom. I can never be as good as mom as her. Why? Because she's more patient than me. I can never be good enough as... Like, I would never be someone that could achieve this at work because I don't have the same connections they don't have. I don't have the same, you know, relationship with whoever. Like, I don't have what they have. Look here. Get rid of this idea of innate capabilities as the defining factor of your life because that's garbage. You want to know what's going to define your life is not your innate capabilities. Yes, there are certain things. I'm not saying there isn't, but that's not what defines your life in the majority of the time. It's your ability to move past it and work hard. And I'll give you a very good example, okay? Forgive a little bit of a rant right here, okay? But I'll tell you something that personally, I shared some of my insecurities, now share some of my pet peeves, okay? So just kind of, it's all coming out here today. Many times people come to me, whether they're priests, whether they're people who speak or whatever, and say, Father Anthony, you have a gift when it comes to speaking. You are gifted. You have a gift. And I say, thank you, and politely, Okay, that's fine. I, I understand. God gives gifts. But you know what I want to say? Can I just say this just amongst us here? Do you know what I want to say? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know what I want to say to them? No. <laughs> you know what I want to say? They were leaning into what I'm about to say. Father Anthony, you have a gift. Okay, let me tell you something. I say I have a gift, but you know what I really want to say? I work hard at what I do. I'm not saying there's no gift. There's for sure a gift for God, but I work hard at this. And I think it's kind of a cop-out to say, you know what? I've heard priests say this. Like, I'll go to other churches and I'll speak. And I heard one time a priest, like when I finished, say, don't get used to that, guys. Okay? Like, don't get used to that. And he's basically saying, like, we'll never be as good as him. So we're just basically not even going to try. What I want to say is, I work hard at this. And yes, it's easy to sit here and say, Father Anthony has a gift. But you don't see that I spend two full days a week preparing for my 45-minute message on Sunday. You don't see the sweat that I put into this. And you don't see beyond those two days, the, the times before that, that I read and prepare and set a structure for the entire series. And you don't see that at before a series even begins, when I have a meeting with a team of creative people, that we sit there and come up with ideas for this stuff and we hash it out. And you don't see that every year in August that I spend a whole weekend to come up with a plan for the entire year. Like, yes, there's an innate capability. But you're a fool if you think it's just innate capability. And I keep building an illusion. You want to be a better wife? Be a better wife. Work hard at being a better wife. You want to be more patient? Put in the time that it takes to pray, come up with challenge yourself, accountability, like whatever it takes. Husbands, don't give me this, I'll never be a good husband like that guy. Like that guy's good, I'll never be good. Do you think any one of us likes to buy flowers for our wives? Look, that's fun, like, talk about emotions and feelings. Like, this isn't stuff that we're naturally good at. This is work that we put in because we see that it's worth it. So don't sit here and say, I'm never going to be uh, able to, to make my wife happy. Don't say that. Don't say you never be a good dad. The good dads are people who put the work in to be a good dad. The good husband are people who put the work in to be a good husband. The people who, this oftentimes they get this, uh, so-and-so is so spiritual. Like, God speaks to them, and they say, God speaks to me. What's God speaks to me? God speaks to me is not like a, a gift that like God speaks to certain people. God speaks to people who spend time listening. 
Put the time and effort. I tell us just the other day, I was telling this to a group of people. Say, by the end of 2017, make it your goal to say that I can say the phrase, God said this to me. I heard the voice of God. How are you going to do that? Because you're going to read your Bible. In January, February, March, April, May, you're going to spend time in prayer. You're going to go to church. You're going to put in the work. It's not a matter of innate capability. It's a matter of work more often than it is not. Moses, I need you to lead my people. God, I don't have the ability to speak. Okay, Moses, you may be not the most eloquent person, but can you give it a shot? Can you take a step in the right direction? I'm never going to be, uh, you know, the most, pro, uh, the best speaker in the whole wide world. Okay, but can you get a little better? Can you practice your speech once or twice? Can you get some note cards? Take a, a course, something like that. Like, can you get a little better? And I feel like that's what God says so often to us. Don't become a slave to innate thinking capability. Innate capability thinking. Do not become a slave because this will ruin your life. First, we said, I'm not respected enough. It's an issue of my credibility. Second. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Issue of my capability. Third thing Moses says in verse 13, after God answers both of those, Moses just says, you know what? So is the kitchen sink at him. Just a catch-all phrase. He says, look here, God. My Lord, send by the hand of whomever else you may send. What is Moses saying? Okay, you're right, God. You win, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't feel good enough to do it. I want to do it. Send someone else to do this. Third thing Moses says, respected enough, talented enough. Finally, he says, I'm not the right person. I'm not the right person for the job. It's an issue of feasibility. You know what? It's just not going to work here, God. Send somebody else. Every excuse Moses made, God answered. Moses said, how will they believe me? God responded by doing a miracle right there on the spot. He said, Moses, give me your stick. Throw it on the ground. Turned into a serpent. And then it turned it back into a stick. And God said, Moses, I'm going to do many more of these miracles. Solve the credibility. Moses said, but I'm not talented enough. I can't speak. God said, okay, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. I'll be with your mouth. I'll take care of your mouth. I'll give you exactly what you need. You won't be like the greatest guy in the whole wide world, but you have enough. Moses is like, finally, you know what, God? Like, just, just, I don't want to do it. Send somebody else. I'm not the right person here for the job. Third thing that you need to write down or circle, it's on your handout, but if those who don't have a handout, be careful of agreeing with God in theory, but denying him in reality. Be careful of, of agreeing with God in theory, but denying him in reality. What does that mean? God has unconditional love, unconditional love, mercy as, as high as the sky above the ground, love and acceptance for all who come to him but not me, because I did, and I messed up. So I agree with God in theory. Yes, unconditional love, but in reality, not for me. God has a plan for every single person to do great things in your life, to give you hope, prosperity, joy, all these kinds of great things. Yeah, but that doesn't apply to me, because I had a shot at it, and I messed it up because I did this. So I agree with God in theory, but in reality, be careful about agreeing with God in theory and not in reality. Theory, God forgives sinners. Reality, my sin is too bad. Theory says that all things work together for good to those who love God. Those are called according to his purpose. Reality says, yeah, but my mistake was too bad. Theory says, in Christ, I'm a new creation. All things made new. Reality, I'll never change. I'll always be the same. Be careful of agreeing with God in theory denying him in reality. You know what happens when you respond to God with these insecurities the way Moses did? How do you think God would respond? Kind God, loving God, merciful God, sweet God. How does God look at the insecurities when we present these insecurities to God? Look what happens in verse 14. God responds to Moses and it says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. That's not what I wanted to hear. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Do you think that maybe God's anger would be kindled against you and your insecurities when you present them to God as excuses for him not to work in your life? Do you think if you continue to present insecurities and you continue to live 
by these lies and insecurity. Do you think God's anger would ever be kindled against you? I hate to say it. This is why, by the way, told you all this before. This is why many people come to me, list of sins, okay, in confession, and say, I did this, okay, did this, okay, did this, okay, 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 fast forward, no problem. And then I hear the following phrase, and I've lost hope, Father Anthony. And I say, hold your horses. Hold your horses. That's a big deal. And I might look like that, and they're like, oh, because I'm like, I don't care about any of those things. I don't care about the adultery. I don't care about the murder. I don't care about any of that stuff, because all that stuff we can solve. Well, you know what we can't solve? is the person who thinks I'm not worthy of God. And the person who says God doesn't love me and that God can't work in my life. That cannot be solved. And that may be the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Maybe I understand that a little bit better because I feel that same thing. When I feel like God wants to do a new work in someone's life and you stop it, you stop God's work by your insecurity. I came up with a little softer word than anger kindled. Insecurity frustrates God's work in your life. It frustrates it. Means like every time God is trying and you present insecurity, he goes, so then God comes in, and then you, you, but I'm not, and I'm not good enough, and I'm not talented enough, and I'm not spiritual enough, and I'll never be patient enough, and I'm not enough. God's like, I'm trying to do something for you. Your insecurity will derail God's work in your life more than anything else if you don't address it properly. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to talk about insecurity over these next four weeks. Like I said, we'll talk about specific manifestations. I'm going to talk about three quick principles, okay? This is kind of like we're going to, we're going to, these are the overarching principles of what we're going to talk about as we break it down over the next th- four weeks. But these principles, we're going to keep these in mind and kind of see them specifically. Three principles that are super duper important. Write them down here for me. Number one, number one, God sees you different than you think. God sees you different than you think. I'm not telling you how he sees you, but I'm telling you that however it is, is different than you see yourself. God has a history, just as he did with Moses. Moses said, I'm not the man for the job. God says, actually, you're perfect for the job. God has a history of doing that. Samaritan woman, everyone else sees harlot, prostitute, bad woman. Jesus saw first missionary. David, shepherd, child, even his own dad saw him as a good-for-nothing nobody. God saw mighty warrior, giant killer. What? Like, you're not seeing the same thing, God. That's the point. Peter, the rest of the disciples saw him as the guy who could never get his foot out of his mouth. Christ saw him as the rock upon which I will build my church. I guarantee you, I'm not telling you how God sees you, but I guarantee you, he does not see you the way you think he sees you. Where am I getting that from? Scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees, as blunt as you can be straightforward as you can see. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I look at myself and I see a guy with lots of shortcomings, lots of flaws, lots of areas that need improvement. I don't know what God sees, but I know God sees something different than I see. Because I see outside, God sees inside. God saw in Moses, different than Moses saw, tongue doesn't work. Old age, can't do it. But God saw something inside Moses. He said, you're the guy. You're the perfect guy. And I'm telling you, as God is looking right here, and you're saying I'm not enough and I'm not good enough, God sees stuff inside hearts and said, you're the perfect person to do this. You say, God, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, wrong number. Like, you know who I am. And God says, I see different than you see. We have to agree that God does not see us as we see. One of the ways that I think God always sees us, that I hope that we can change our way, we see, can't do. God sees, haven't done yet. We see, can't change. God sees, haven't changed yet. God adds the word yet to just about everything that you say can't. Your can't equals his yet. Can't control my temper, hasn't controlled it yet. Can't ever get past this impurity issue, hasn't figured out the right strategy yet. Your can't is his yet. And maybe in 2017, we'll start to believe that. God sees you different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. So the people who want to boo-hoo and woe is me, and I don't have enough, my job is to tell you that God has given you more than you think. Look here, 
in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, after God was anger was kindled against him. You know the first thing he told him? Anger was kindled against him. He says, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You know what God says to him? He says, Moses, look around. You're not doing this by yourself. I have sent you a perfect partner for this. I'm going to give you another, another person in the Bible who kind of had a similar area. It was Gideon. Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6, God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you're going to be a mighty warrior. Gideon says, no, I'm kind of a scaredy cat. I can't fight. God says, no, you're going to lead the people against the Midianites. They're big, bad, and strong. Gideon's like, no, that's not me. I'm kind of scared. Look what God says to him. Judges 6, 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. Some of us, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, God brought you to church today just to hear this sentence. Go in the strength that you have. Yes, you got a ways to go. Yes, you're not perfect. Yes, there's a lot of things that you, yes, yes, yes. But stop selling yourself short. You have been given more than you realize. Some of us, like Moses, God has sent great people around you who love you and care about you and will do anything for you to help you. Stop saying that woe is me and my life is and look around and see all the great people around you who are lending their hand out to you and you sit there saying, no, but my life is. God has given people around you. God has put some stuff inside you. Go in the strength that you have. Yes, you're not perfect. Yes, you're not all the way there. But I bet you, you got enough to start and whatever it is that God is challenging you to do. God doesn't see us as we think. God has given us more than we think. Third and most important, most important for the rest of this series. It's less about you than you think. How's that for a pick-me-up? It's less about you than you think. We think it's all about us. We're kind of narcissistic as a society. And even as Christians, we're kind of narcissistic. It's kind of all about me. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not. And sometimes we need to get a little, the perspective right. God, me. Exodus chapter 3, before any of this discussion with Moses in Exodus 4, when God appeared to him in the burning bush, God said something to him right off the bat. But Moses must have forgotten it. Exodus 3.11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses started, who am I? So he said, I will, cert I will certainly be with you. Like that should have been the end of the discussion. That's Exodus 3. There should have been no Exodus 4. The Bible should have been Exodus 3, Exodus 5. There should have been no Exodus 4. Because that's it. Moses, we're going to do this great thing. And we're going to do 10 plagues. And we're going to part the Red Sea. But how? I can't do that, God. Moses is like, or God's like, I know. <laughs> I'm going to one who's going to do it. No, but I am by it. I am who? What's who? You, who's you? I'm the one who's going to do it. Hello? I'm God. You're not God. You're not going to be nothing. I'm going to do all the work. You know who Moses is? You know who we are? You know what sometimes we forget? Think of the difference between a tool and a builder. A hammer and Bob Vila or Tim the Toolman Taylor, whoever your favorite tool man is. A hammer. All we are is a hammer. You say, but this hammer is nicer than this hammer. And this hammer is little, uh, is, is, is prettier, and, and, and this is a bedazzled hammer. Okay. Okay. Who cares? As long as the hammer is in my hand, I couldn't care less if it's black or white or green or red. I couldn't care less if it has polka dots or stripes. Like, who cares? You say, this hammer, the rubber thing is, who cares? Put the hammer in my hand, and I will fix whatever needs to be fixed. Beautiful hammer, outside of hand, no value. Ugly hammer, inside hand, does the job. You, ladies and gentlemen, are nothing more than a tool. With the utmost of respect. You're a tool. I'm a tool. I'm a hammer. You're a hammer. I'm a pencil. I'm not the author. I'm just a pencil that's being used. But trust me, the guy holding his hand does all the work. It's less about you than you think. We need to stop focusing on our weaknesses and instead focus on putting myself Holy, 100% consecrated in his hands. And I'm telling you, if I'm in his hands, I got weaknesses, but it works out. House gets built. Poem gets written. If I'm in his hands, 
Good stuff is going to come. And everyone's going to say, what a great hammer that was. We're not going to be stupid enough to think that the hammer did anything. Hammer you take care and you throw away, you get a new one. The builder takes care of it. That's all we want. We're just tools. God is the master builder. And I believe that God wants to do something great in 2017. God wants to build a great house in 2017 with you. He wants to build for you. He wants to build in you. And I guarantee you he wants to build through you. Not because of who you are, because who he is. Last verse. We're going to remember this verse throughout our series. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Maybe this is a good verse to kind of take home with you and read this every morning. Okay, this may be like your declaration of I'm not insecure. You read this. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, all things that pertain to life and godliness, by which we have been given, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Too many of us are selling ourselves short and selling God short because of our shortcomings, and we are inhibiting, sorry, we are derailing the work of God. I don't know what the word is. We are derailing the work of God in our lives. We are preventing God from doing something great because we think that we are not worthy. It is my prayer for this series that God will free us from this and realize that it's not about me, it's about him. And as long as I'm in those hands, as long as I'm in that master builder's hands, you know what? A lot of these flaws get covered up because the building's going to look great as long as I'm in those hands. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you with all of our hearts, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because this life, your plan, it's not about us as much as we think it is. And I pray that during this time of this series, Lord, you'd free us from that like narcissistic way of thinking that it's all about me and it's all my, my shortcomings and it's all my abilities. Lord, you are able to do great things even in the worst of the worst people. You're able to make new creation out of people who never had hope. So I pray, Lord, for anyone who is struggling with insecurity, those who are pushing through, trying to be too cool, or those who are pulling back, just kind of checking out, Lord, that you would help us to see that you have something great that you want to accomplish in us and through us and for us in this coming year. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.